0: This is David Tate's The Nine Fingers with The Alchemy of Artistry, An Accidental Memoir. Thanks so much for coming back as we go and listen through these songs, both my own and some by some other amazing artists as well. Uh, Today we're getting back to one of my own. This song is called The Crowned Prince Samo uh, by Winston and the Telescreen, and let's just dive right into it.
1: souls to save all but his own. scattered by the wind. You were shattered by the breath. I was saddened by the death of the crowned prince. Same and I miss you.
0: More than anything else, this is a love song to the artist Jean-Michel Basquiat, who was once a tagger who went by the name Samo, which was short for Samo Shit. When I first saw his art, I was really fascinated by it, and when I later became familiar with his life story, it was like a revelation to me about how seriously a person should take their calling. It was actually E uh, from the first four songs in this podcast who who first introduced me to his art, I I think at the Norton Simon in Pasadena maybe, and when she saw how excited I got about it, uh, she suggested we watch this movie about his life, which was called Basquiat. From the very beginning of that film, I felt a resonance like I had never experienced before while learning about another person. This movie ends with this story that his mom used to tell him about a little prince secretly locked away in a tower who couldn't break free of his prison. He tries to reach out to his people and let them know where he is so he can be set free. And he does this by banging his head against the bars of the window. And, he, and he's a prince, so he has a crown. So he's banging his his crowned head against the bars of the window. And, and everyone who hears this sound stops and, and marvels at its beauty, the sound of the crown banging against the prison bars. But they never actually understand what they're hearing, and, and they never rescue him. That story really fucked me up. Like, honestly, if I, if I watch it now, that story still fucks me up. Running into that story at the age of, of 19 or 20, it hit me at just the right time to have this big impact on me. And I immediately dove into songwriting with this fervor that I just didn't have before. I, I'd been writing songs pretty consistently from the age of 12 on, but I had never really taken myself seriously as a songwriter. It was just something that I did to help process my emotions and because I seemed to have a knack for it. But watching Basquiat really changed the way I viewed my responsibility to the talent that I had. So instead of holding anything back, from that moment on, I truly dove into songwriting without caring if there was a way out. I was completely willing to drown inside my art if that meant that I could be better at it. I I just wanted to fully immerse myself in the work. A few months after returning from Chicago, I actually dropped out of university altogether and spent a year living in my car while recording half of what we say is meaningless, what these uh, first songs are off of, and, and playing shows all over with Winston and the Telescreen. My decision to abandon school and work and live in my car and focus completely on my art was hugely influenced By the fact that Basquiat was homeless at a young age and spent time sleeping on park benches and couch surfing with his friends and just focusing on on his work. And and for me, that time period that year spent in my car uh, was when I was at my most fulfilled as a person. All I focused on was learning, writing, recording, promoting. I'd, I'd spend my days at the library reading books or promoting my songs on MySpace on their computer there, and my nights performing and recording music. That's it. That was life. Uh, and eventually I'd have to find a parking spot somewhere, uh, hopefully where the police wouldn't bother me as they so often did, and, and crashing for the night I'm waking up and doing it again. Both school and work seemed like completely unacceptable distractions to me And looking back at that, uh, I, was, I was completely right <laughs> if, I, if I didn't have kids, I'd probably be doing that same shit right now, honestly Working full-time steals music away from me Make no mistake about that uh, I should have probably 20 more albums right now um, But when, when real life comes calling for you uh, you're, you're exhausted from, from making a living What can you do? I think my life probably looks strange to a lot of people, probably still looks strange to a lot of people. Um, but for me, that time period, I was in tune with the universe and my purpose. Well, let's, let's get into these lyrics. Samo came, came to save all our souls. He painted salvation up out on the walls, gave us the answers, but crossed out the important parts came to save souls, to save all but his own. Basquiat was a tagger in his youth, and he did a lot of tagging that was actually more, more poetry statement than art. He, he collaborated with another tagger named Al Diaz, and they would write these SAMO slogans around the city of New York, late 70s, SAMO for mass media mindwash. pay for soup, build a fort, set that on fire. Samo, as alternative to God, all these different phrases that were, that were made to, made to uh, make you think. Basquiat would later describe the Samo graffiti as, as sophomoric teenage shit written by, by he and his friend getting drunk and, and having fun making statements out there. But I think it's important to remember that young people see the world a lot more honestly than those who have, who have existed within the old shit for many years and gotten used to it. Just because something is written drunkenly upon the subway walls with a paint can doesn't mean that it isn't profound. When I say he gave us the answers but crossed out the important parts, Basquiat was known for writing things down in his artwork and then crossing them out, scribbling over them. Uh, He had once said, I cross out the words so you will see them more. The fact that they're obscured makes you want to read them. Uh, but to me, there, there's another layer to that as well. And I think that as we exist and as things happen to us and around us, we constantly learn lessons about what it means to be alive and be human in this world. But I think that a lot of people hide their most profound lessons inside themselves. People aren't open with each other about their histories or their thoughts or their emotions. We hide away much more than we share, and often we keep these, these most important pillars of what actually makes us, us, the real us, hidden. In a sense, i focused my own art in such a way as to be an antithesis of, of that philosophy of existence. It's my goal to bring to light the things that most people try to keep hidden. And looking at Basquiat's art really brought that into focus for me. The fact that people try to hide That which is most essential. The the came to save souls, to save all but his own. Uh, He lived a risky life. Uh, He was focused on self-expression. So much so that self-preservation just didn't come into the equation. And and that's a trap I later fall into myself many times. And I think a lot of people do. You didn't have to go. You saved me from growing old. When it brings your head, when it brings you such pain to grow, that's when you sit back and fall back on what you know. When I tell him that he saved me from growing old, what I'm saying there is that he taught me the right way to do this. uh, Build art, I mean. Because when you do it right, it immortalizes that frame of mind, that time frame forever. Forever. A well-done piece of art will always be a time portal back to an earlier present. I don't know if I can explain that well, uh, if it didn't make sense when you heard it. Uh, When I perform a song properly, my consciousness no longer exists within the current time. Everything I've ever written becomes a signpost along my timeline. And if a song is constructed properly, and I sing it for real, I'm transported elsewhere uh, to a different time. In, in that sense, despite music being measured by time, the effects of music exist outside of time. The falling back on what you know, when it brings your head such pain to grow, was a reference to, to our own separate addictions. For him, it was heroin. Heroin. And heroin eventually killed him at the age of 27. For me, it was alcohol abuse. And I was, I was really only just getting started at this point when I wrote this. And, and alcohol abuse nearly killed me several times, but I'm, I'm, I'm somehow still here. <laughs> uh, expansion, as a person, hurts. Becoming stronger, more intelligent, a, a, to become filled with more wisdom, requires experiences that are very often painful. Because you have to accept life lessons. you have to accept life's lessons uh, to learn them. And life's lessons are very often not gentle. You fall back into what you know when that struggle to expand as a person overtakes you. addiction, being in abusive relationships, Wasting time on on junk food, whether that's literal food or entertaining yourself through a screen, too much streaming, too much gaming, uh, figuring out a way to avoid the responsibility that you have uh, by being a talented and capable human being. Falling back on what you know is comfortable, but you'll never move forward while you're stuck there. They found you pretty like a summer dandelion. So they picked you up and they blew you away. Scattered by the wind, you were shattered by their breath. I was saddened by the death of the crowned prince Samo. And I miss you. American culture has a very nasty habit of not being willing to truly consider the value of something until it's gone. Many of the people we consider our greatest artists are only appreciated after they die because we we have this disease mindset that we refuse to consider an artist's worth until they're gone. And and I want to be clear, Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain, Janis Joplin, Basquiat, now I'm I'm naming 27 club members right now, uh, but this is in reference to everyone who passed away too young. Their work is just as valuable as we've lifted it up to be. But as a culture, we were only willing to truly consider the merit of their work after they were no longer here. And, and what's really frustrating to me is, is I am someone who is very hyper-aware of this diseased mindset that we have, and yet I still share it. Amy Winehouse, Mac Miller, uh, two absolutely brilliant artists who for some reason I did not take a deep dive into until after they died. I, I don't know why we do this, uh, but I, I definitely do it too, unfortunately. This concept goes beyond appreciating artists. When we find something beautiful, we have this desire to consume every part of it. Y- human beings are, truly are these, these bi- bipedal apex predators, not just in terms of physical dominion over the creatures of the earth, but also in, in their emotional relationships with each other. We love the spectacle of watching people be destroyed. Celebrity culture is fueled by this. We're mesmerized by the destruction of the people we admire. And our role of destroyers starts young. Admire a flower. Pick it up so that you can appreciate it for the rest of its short life um, because you just picked it and shortened that life. Uh, What's more tempting than a dandelion? You see one and you just have to reach down and blow on it, scattering its crown into the wind. And then toss the stem aside. We are most satisfied by the dandelion in the moment we destroy it. But that crown is made of seeds. The dandelion understands how tempting it is to to destroy. So it places all of its seeds into its crown. And then when we pick it up and, and blow that crown to pieces before casting its body aside... Each of those seeds is sent off and scattered into the world. 150 new dandelions ready to begin their lives all over. And and it's the same with art. Even when the world kills the artist, the art spreads. Basquiat was too beautiful for the art world. And so they consumed him until his body was gone. But those seeds spread in the process. And one of those seeds took root in me. I was hoping that maybe you'd come down and teach me how to paint my portrait. When suddenly it all seems just so pointless, yet beautiful. That's when you capture your face on the paper. I, I, I'm just telling him that I'm. I'm telling him that I'm not there yet. I know what my calling is as a songwriter, but I haven't yet developed the tools that I need to do it properly. So I'm I'm essentially just asking for pointers on self-expression from his ghost. Oh, how you capture me, wake and enrapture me. Sunlight is easy to see when your eyes are open. Samo came, came to save all our souls He painted salvation up out on the walls, gave us the answers but crossed out the important parts, came to save souls, to save all but his own. When art is created at that level, it truly is like sunlight. It's impossible not to be overwhelmed by the power of well done art if you're actually paying attention. But so many people don't. And this is just my way of saying that the beauty of the work. Is is omnipresent And any, any refusal to recognize that beauty Is only possible When the observer refuses to open their eyes And a lot of people refuse to open their eyes And truly see the world and the people around them The, the majority of people, really But that's a condemnation of the viewer And not the artist I, I'm just letting them know that he did it <laughs> he, he gave his art everything he had and it's, it's, it's wonderful it's, it's wonderful it's enough and if there are people who don't get that that is their fault this song is essentially a thank you to him for showing me the way an appreciation song in the form of a dirge Now that we know the story of the song, let's try it again.
1: into parts Came to save souls To save all but his own. Scattered by the wind, you were shattered by the breath that was saddened by the death of the crowned Prince Aymon. And I miss you. To save souls, to save all but his own
0: That was The Crown Prince Samo by Winston and the Telescreen written probably around 2002-2003 released in 2007 That was Paul Akers on keyboards, Trevor Monks on drums, James Brecker on bass, and me, David Tates, uh, on vocals there. That was recorded in Riverside, California at Greatest Mrs. Studio by Victor Alfaro. And as always, our, our wonderful intro and outro music is by Lou Beauty in Bakersfield, California. And I hope everyone is... And staying safe and keeping themselves occupied and, and hopefully even getting something creative done if you've got the energy for it. I will see you next time.